States. Good evening in Europe. Thank you very much for inviting me also to this edition, dear Rick, and uh, thank you for continuing this, uh, from my point of view, uh, wonderful series of uh, dedicated to the contemporary uh, poetry. Really three very special appearances today. Um, I mean, I guess today everything is under the uh, under the sign of uh, Mark III, of this number, three poets, three actually poetesses, three doctors, three ladies, and let us not forget that uh, Orthodox Cre- uh, Christians have today the Easter. They will celebrate it with poetry, and that this magical three of the Easter has uh, its very strong Christian connotation, which is actually equal to the one in our today's show. So everything is three today. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are of, uh, uh, if you are of Orthodox uh, religion, uh, celebrate Easter with us. If you are all in all just people loving poetry, be with us just before, just in the just in behalf of the poetry, because it really uh, it really deserves. Thank you so much, my brother. Let us begin with part one of these three marvelous poets. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to bring you one of them 
fine episodes of Poets of the East. And let me introduce my co-host, Misha Danduka, and he has brought us three lovely poets. Misha, we're off. Thank you very much, Eric. Uh, good morning. Actually, now it, it is good afternoon in the United States. It is good evening in Romania and Central Europe. Ladies and gentlemen, I am uh, happy and honored to uh, co-host together with uh, Rick a new episode of the 19th uh, within the serial um, Poets of the East. Um, we we uh, choose for today, um, I think, a very interesting uh, thematic uh, poetry combined with uh, apparently uh, um, strange or non-poetical professions. Um, my own opinion is that there isn't something like non-poetical professions and therefore we invited today three doctors which write poetry, uh, which write an excellent poetry and uh, I think which prove that the poetical spirit uh, it's, not a it's not in contradiction with uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the formally uh, le uh, least poetical professions one can uh, one can imagine. Dear doctors, dear poets, actually dear poetesses, in order to be politically correct, uh, welcome here and uh, welcome at uh, uh, poets of the East. And uh, uh, and uh, uh, please allow me to specify that uh, this East in the title of our serial has nothing to do with the geographical East on one hand because wherever uh, wherever we are uh, on the earth there is always something east of us and uh, on the other hand uh, poets of the east or the east if you want it's that point where uh, the sun is rising this is the explanation rick found in order uh, for people not to think that we are inviting only uh, Poets from poets from uh, from uh, the Orient. So actually, the East from poets of the East is uh, the whole world, which should be quote from Rick Spisa, the country of all poets. End of quotation. Misha, and gentlemen, let me make a suggestion. Normally, we have each of the poets. Uh, give us their individual stories, and we go one, two, three, four. I was going to suggest, instead of having everybody wait the whole time to get a chance to speak their piece, why don't we have each of these lovely poets each provide us with one poem so we have something else to think about besides when am I going to be on? <laughs> so just a suggestion. Ladies and gentlemen, as I told you, Rick Spisak is not only a radio producer, a professor, a poet, a, a performer, and so on and so on and so on. It is also a great improviser. So, therefore, because he has the initiative, let's do it. So, ladies and gentlemen, before only, uh, dear Rick, can I say their names at least? Please do, sir. Please do. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Sarah. In this case, dear poetesses, before saying something about you or actually about yourselves, please allow me. Miruna Romanchuk, Amalia Georgiana Cernat, and Anticorp Poetic, known as Cristina Dragic, 
please read one poem, each of you, the one you like the most. The order is up to you. I mean, I mentioned this order, Miruna, Amalia, Christina, only because it was the order you emerged, you appeared here. It is up to you in which order you are going to read. Let's go with that. That's a good thing. Please, Maruna, if you would start. Yeah, sure. So uh, the first poem is a bit long, so bear with me. Here we go. It's everything almost the same when I wake up and when I fall asleep. A cognitive blinding over this body of mine made of water, as a form of life, as a form of draining. The skin under my eyes wrinkled, my dark circles licking the sun, as if it was a lollipop promised five years old after it was long held above my head. Now you're holding the sky above someone. Your blood is getting between its blue threads, like rinsing, like a red ribbon that holds you in the same place, the place. Raise your head on all of the signs of the day in which you don't do anything with your mediocre life, yet everybody says you have a head, just because they're on it behind. Thank you. Thank you very much. A concentrated, strong, and you mentioned it was long. No, it wasn't long at all. It's a very, you don't know what a long poem is. You know, when Rick and I start to start duels in poems, ah, one ah, poem ah, lasts 15 ah, minutes. Ah. So, okay. so, someone else who would like to continue? Amalia, please. All right. Thank you. I guess I would. So, uh, this one is uh, like um, uh, an, kind of an ancient poem from when I was like a teenager. But anyways, it's, uh, it's a bit personal. You'll see what I'm talking about. I have so little life that I can't satiate anyone. Under the couches, there's more life than inside me. All the ants together forget faster. They comprehend. Family painting, a fear tree packed with snow, the axe. At times they think aloud to the despair of a few imaginary friends. They've threatened to cut my song, so I write poems. I turn woman this year and I still don't believe in God. On rare occasions, I think to myself appealing. I show my feet and vanish like the Cheshire cat. Thank you. That's all. Okay. Thank you very much. So, uh, well, uh, let's uh, kindly ask uh, Christina to read something she prepared. Uh, before starting, I must say that um, I translated all of my poems all of the points that I'm going to read, I translated them last night before going to bed. So I think I could have done better, but I, in under those circumstances, I think I did my best. So I chose, I, um, I chose the first poem that is written on the first page of my published book. Um, and it is long, I must say this before starting. <laughs> 
as above, so below. I am seeking shelter in my foot. This must be happiness. The unpacked jeans left on the sand. Why wouldn't I dance here until I die? I stay with my eyes closed and I can only feel how the light is X-raying me. I'm not hearing the horns, the alarms, the comets. I'm not seeing the UFOs, the fires, the abortions, the closed doors. I remember your white bicycle and I hear the 18 years old boy sharing leaflets on the beach, advising us how to vote. Who's the blonde girl? who has just picked the sand and, and is now holding it like a blanket. Under the sand, there are many little girls, little, just like worms. They are crying and they are complaining that they are thirsty. They have tears stuck in their hair. They are in love and they have their period coming soon. They are having sex for the first time and they are getting married. They are getting a divorce. They are dying. They are becoming nuns, but they die anyway. And they greet Adam again. And they return under the sand. And they cry again. And they never smile. The condom of their boyfriend is breaking. But they love their boyfriend. So the little girl gives birth to a little girl. And the little girl's little girl is crying. And she lacks a pacifier. All of them want an entire continent under each nail. They want the whole universe at their gunpoint like a lily. And they want honest men and monogamy and pizza with everything. And they have their hair cut and they dye their hair and their husbands dye too. But they can't afford burying them. Their skin turns black and they give birth to dead babies and they cry. They cry when they get married. They cry when they have an orgasm, when they are born and when they give birth to, in their offices, in the elevators, and then again. They return to the sand, here but only a little far away from where they used to return. And they come their belt, uh, belt holding all the little girls that hide under the sand is sleeping, just like a waterfall in the sea all of them with gun marks at their left gun point. That's beautiful. Thank you. Very beautiful, both of them. I mean, Amalia's and uh, Christina's, we have already mentioned uh, about, uh, about Miruna. Um, and us, uh, well, even if actually I knew something not too much about Miruna as a poet, um, in, in exchange, I have been known since quite a time, uh, Christina and Amalia, and I have been always trying to compare their styles. Um, and it is always this concentrated, focused uh, expression of Amalia uh, against those uh, rich, uh, complex metaphors uh, by Christina. And uh, it is uh, quite passionating to listen to both of them and to alternate those two uh, those two uh, two styles so i guess uh, dear mr spisak we will have today a real uh, a real uh, uh, kings uh, kings fest of poetry in uh, um, in at uh, poets of the poets of the east so ladies and gentlemen we mentioned we had 
and we have actually even from grammar point of view it shouldn't be with the present tense but doesn't matter mr spisak will forgive us uh, we have here so three poetesses three doctors and uh, we have already listened uh, three wonderful poems uh, from them but uh, we still don't know i mean we know rick and i but uh, our listeners still don't know too much about you dear ladies so please present yourselves introduce yourselves the order is again up to you so i suggest that you choose that you select a certain order if not rick will well since we had started with maruna and went to amalia and then christina then let's do it in reverse let's have christina tell us a little bit about herself and and when she started writing and then we can go that we'll go in reverse Okay. Um, right now, I'm I'm a pediatrician. I work with children, and this is my biggest dream. One of my biggest dreams always has been. I started writing poetry uh, when I was in high school, but uh, I started to also study poetry later on. Um, many times in my in my life, I have been asked, "How can I how can I pay attention?" Um, to poetry while I'm being a doctor because th these two are two very different fields. But to be deeply honest, I cannot ever divide them. They both are um, a very important part of me. So I cannot see them otherwise than being parts of me, real parts of me. And as funny as it may sound, um, a lot of my poetry comes from um, what I see, what I observe at the ones around me, especially that um, uh, since I started working, which happened in January, I have seen a lot of difficult cases at the hospital and all of them um, are related to teenagers, children, and there is a certain type of beauty in, um, in this very funny way life can turn very, very easily. So when I say that uh, I am a I'm a poet. I, I would. I cannot uh, honestly express that um, from a big distance uh, from my profession. Maybe it would be a good idea first to unmute my microphone before talking. It's not compulsory, but well, it may work better. Thank you very much, Christina. Thank you, doctor and poet, Christina Dragic. Um, and uh, as uh, Rick suggested, we may. Uh, we may change the order, so we started uh, with Christina. So let's continue with uh, Miruna, if she accepts, of course. Sure. Thank you. So uh, I'm Miruna Comanchu, but uh, that already has been stated. Um, I started writing poetry um, very young. I was, I think, seven years old when I wrote my first poetry poem for my mom. Uh, but it slowly faded away as I uh, went through high school and then uh, university. I uh, focused on uh, more practical aspects of life as I uh, was the influence to do so by my parents and the society in itself. Um, and uh, when the pandemic started, uh, although it came with very with many disadvantages and um, tragical aspects it gave me a space and time to 
focus on my hobby and um, uh, pursue it, pursue this passion seriously. As I started writing almost every day since last year. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to get as better as I can as this. And uh, with the medicine, I um, started it because I wanted so much to do good and um, to have this opportunity to alleviate someone's pain. I think it's one of the greatest form of art. And I'm uh, uh, really emotional about it. Uh, but uh, there's a thing. I think they are not separated completely. I think they join in this point of sensibility that uh, is required in medicine, also in poetry. So I, uh, I like to think of those as uh, two bones that join in this point, like in an articulation. And I think that's very symbolic for me. Um, this is a question I'm not sure whether I uh, I put to Christina too or not. Uh, tell me, please, uh, have you already published? No, I didn't, but I very much want to, of course. Uh, but uh, no, we didn't, uh, the chance didn't appear yet. Um, as far as I know, you have, or you have some poems in some magazines. I, I don't mean in a collection, but... Yeah. Uh, in uh, literary magazines, there are and there are very good appreciations uh, to the address of your poetry. Yes, and I'm very humbled <laughs> of it. I, I, um, I'm so emotional every time I get some appreciation about this because it's so personal for me, and uh, it's uh, usually very weird for me to uh, receive appreciation for something that I do naturally, in the most part. Uh, and yes, about the magazines, so I uh, published in uh, Noise Poetry and uh, Parnas, which are uh, online magazines. And they have Facebook pages. The poems are all available there. And uh, yes, it's nice to be appreciated uh, in such a short time that I started writing seriously. It's a real uh, confirmation for me that uh, I'm doing this in a good way. Thank you very much. Uh, actually, when talking about being published, don't mean only collections, okay? Not, on, mm -hmm. not only books. So in magazines, this means also being uh, being published. Okay. Uh, Christina, I, sorry, about Christina, I know she has already published her first uh, her first uh, uh, collection. Actually, therefore, we have here uh, Anticorp Poetic, uh, which. Uh, may seem the, the i don't know the stage name of the of the poetess but it is a very uh, sensible and uh, sensitive and original way of promoting her excellent uh, uh, debut uh, debut collection could you tell us about the uh, a little bit more about this um i didn't really hear your last word but i think you asked me to say something about my book being published Okay. Um, first of all, I must say um, the name of my email address here is not uh, is nothing planned. 
it just happened. I already had an account with my other name, so there is no plan here. It's just an accident, but I'm happy that you see it as a as a plan. Um, my book appeared in um, 2019, and um, it was yes, it was a difficult process because just like Miruna was saying, um, and knowing that my poems are being uh, read was making me very emotional and nervous, and I was um, approaching them with a lot of uh, sensitivity coming from from my heart. But uh, I had to understand that um, having your your poetry uh, being published requires um, a lot of effort and uh, being capable of understanding what's not necessary and being able to having it. Uh, cut. I talked to a lot of uh, already published po uh, poets, and even Amalia was one of the persons who talked to me before having my book published. Because I don't know if you know all of you, we were um, I don't know we were colleagues in college, and she was um, also writing poetry. So um, I was happy to have it published. And uh, when I when I was a student and when I was in high school too, sometimes when I couldn't sleep at night, I was thinking what would make me so happy, so happy. And I was visualizing this book being published and now I'm having it and I'm, I can only think of when is the next book going to come to be better than this one. I'm not happy anymore. <laughs> but um, it came with a certain sadness, this process. And although people were um, talking to me about it, um, I was stubborn and I was thinking that I can face this sort of disappointment. Um, I I didn't know anyone in this um, whole business, so uh, there was nobody to help me with anything. I only had friends who supported me. And I really wanted my book to have its own life, which didn't really happen because I don't know how to make it visible. And physically speaking, it came out after one year. And although people were curious about it, they didn't have where to buy it from. So I guess this is what happens when, when you're not so popular and so close to people who make things happen. I am not a person who uh, is friends with people who make things happen. And uh, as rough as it may sound, this is, um, this is a cruel reality that I had to face. And now something else happened. I'm, appro I'm approaching my newest po poems with a different um, energy. Um, I don't want anything else to happen. I just want them to live. If they are allowed to live, they will live. But when it came when it came to my first book, I really wanted it to be to be read. But I guess I got older and I became really tired. But I'm. I really don't want to give up on my on my poetical part, but it was not. It was really not um, an easy process, as it is to some people who have some opportunity opportunities that I really didn't have. Very lovely. It seems to me that as physicians, as people who want to help human beings in their need meeting people at that important moment of their lives, meeting people in, in desperate need, uh, must keep you so keenly aware of, of the drama of human life. 
You meet people when they're very happy, when they're very sad, when they're hurting very badly, maybe with their lives threatened. I can understand how that would be a very, very heightened experience. And uh, I, I salute you for using poetry as a way of, of helping you process some of that, because it must be tremendously difficult. Well, there we go, Misha. That's part one. Uh, as a person that makes things happen, what can you say about this fine young poet? Well, I was almost dreaming. I was dreaming in terms of her poetry, in terms of those wonderful poems, actually, because each of them has already read one. I would maybe risk to repeat myself, and I don't want to do this, but I still have to stress that the singularity, the individuality of their styles, and of their style, actually, correctly, and the originality, uh, the freshness of their of their poetical creation. And I was thinking whether this combination of uh, uh, of such a stressing profession, such a complex one, which is medicine, and uh, such a sensitive field of the human creation, which is poetry, it is it is incredibly how well how wonderful they uh, they go together and if you are going to look thematically into their poems you will not find elements of uh, let's say uh, graphic thematics inspired by their profession everything is on a very um, abstract metaphoric level everything is suggested and you are perfectly right rick a good observer will be always able to understand that each of them are doctors but it is not written there it is and it is a pleasure to decipher to um, find the key of this uh, metaphorical and symbolical puzzle they offer they challenge with us uh, Poetesis, which has having us a, as a basic profession, uh, being uh, being a doctor. Great, great poems by Amalia Chernat. Looking forward to the other two, uh, to the other two uh, guests we have uh, we have today. Well, my friend, are you ready for part two? I am very ready, and uh, I think I am already transposing that abstract state of poetry, comprising in just floating a little bit in their abstract uh, uh, environment. Let's go. Okay, here we go, part two. When you prepare to yourself for publishing, well, I guess you are not alone. You had Amalia next to you. And this, this makes not only a great poetess, but also a very good friend. So you weren't alone. It was someone very good and very near to you to, with, uh, for helping you. And, uh, and uh, among other, uh, other things, I very much admire also your friendship as uh, the doctors, as phys physicians, as uh, 
poetries and uh, last but not least as uh, human beings um so amalia i'm sorry you waited so long but it was such an interesting discussion which is going to continue with your contribution now uh, even uh, at least as interesting as uh, until now so please present introduce yourself tell us also about what you published and what you have published until now what you expect from poetry and it is only one thing you don't have to say because i'm sure you will just like christina and miruna you will never give up your poetical part uh, all right uh so for everyone i am uh, amalia Ternat. i got many names but i use only these two um i am a pathologist so it's kind of funny that you will let me at the end because I'm the one that never meets people. Only when they're like pretty cold in my morgue, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I do meet them. Yeah, it's uh, something that I really, really enjoyed since my second year at university. I fell in love with the microscope and seeing that, that unimaginable world that didn't look like our world. And I was so fascinated by that power that I could have had, that just looking through the microscope, I could have said and make a diagnosis that would basically save someone's, someone's life because uh, the pathologist is pretty much the one that has uh, the end point when making a diagnosis. So, um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> kind of unusual um, for me. It's kind of <laughs> funny and pretty when people ask me, so what do, what do you do? Uh, what do you do as a doctor, as a physician? And I'm like, yeah, I uh, don't have patience. I just sit at the microscope. And uh, sometimes I also go to the morgue and eventually cut those <laughs> patients, if you say so. Um, since the pandemic, um, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of death around us, uh, and I don't get to enjoy that much time with my, uh, fascinating little world, uh, under the microscope. And I have to sit a lot at the morgue and, you know, uh, seeing, uh, uh, everything that COVID has done to us. Uh, in this way, um, but yeah, uh, this is what I do as a, as a doctor, uh, as a poetess. Um, this one is also uh, harder to explain. I guess my introduction to poetry was when I was a teenager. I was about like 14 years old or something, and I uh find it interesting found it interesting to go to like those kind of uh, uh reading clubs and uh poetry clubs and uh uh i just enjoyed listening to what people wrote and then i took it to myself i never really felt the need to mm, i don't know um put all my feelings who says that's why my texts are pretty well um i don't know cleared and pretty uh structured 
that uh, I don't lose myself too much into it. That's why when I said I, I would read a poem that's kind of uh, unusual for me because it was somehow personal, uh, that's somehow unusual uh, to what I write. Um, so yeah, I uh, when I was a teenager until I was like, I don't know, 18, 19 years old, I would uh, uh, write a lot of poetry. And I got, I, I got some prizes, I got praise, but uh, I didn't feel uh, somehow at home with the, with the other poets and how the rules of the game were in the literary world. So uh, I started feeling more and more like I was not belonging there. So uh, when, I, uh, when I went into medical school, uh, even though I, I wanted it, I felt like this is going to be it and I'm uh, going to let a bit poetry behind because it was this thing that I didn't feel at home with, uh, with the other people. And this thing is pretty important to me. Uh, even now at work, I, I feel so uh, so uh, welcomed all the time by my colleagues, and uh, it's a great way to feel surrounded by people that you can talk and uh, feel feel good with them. So yeah, nowadays I would say that um, uh, the literal world right here in the world, the medium in, in Romania, it's getting prettier. I have. Christina, Miruna, and so on. Uh, especially Christina, of course. She mentioned we are good friends. We are we were in the same series. Um, I was there when she she no, I wasn't there exactly when she published her book, but was I was there in the process, and uh, and I enjoyed it, and I'm enjoying enjoying it uh, more and more every day. And I'm kind of thinking, well, okay. I uh, accepted this invitation, and uh, I'm getting more and more in touch with uh, this part of me that is the poetess. Even though uh, <laughs> also the doctor is pretty much thriving, and I'm proud of it. So yeah, I think uh, this is it. This is uh, a pretty good uh, <laughs> example of who I am and what I am. Thank you for listening. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry for boring you, Amalia. Can I ask yeah. you to read a few more of your poems? Uh, right now? Of course. Yes. I, yes. I got them. I got them ready. So the first one I would start with, uh, it's a poem that I wrote uh, um, like five or six years ago, and I um, uh, signed uh, him in, uh, participated with it at uh, Penny Voices, and it got on the short list. And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't uh, uh, go there. It was uh, the ceremony was in Kyrgyzstan, and I couldn't go there. I was uh, my parents considered I was like uh, <laughs> still a toddler. Uh, but I would read it. It's called uh, Vankila. The rain drips south at night like a herd in a rising cattle. I bear six tracts of land in my back for support. Behind, the sound of the grass strand finding on approach of the, the sole of the foot. My roaching soldiers stand on the grave, they smoke their fingers. At once, 
the gates come apart like two naked sinners. I've also started a dungeon here. If this is good, the stone benches can taste unbeaten size. At times, begin with friends, passing by, bringing honesty, and small helping. Alright, and I would continue with something else. Let's change the speech. Um, Alright, this one is good. Uh, this one is called Itan Score. Barefooted, I roam on the shore from one, from one abstrusa to the next. The sky draws out flexibly, covers the oceans, the flower shops, the border areas, and back again. I have developed a relationship that which has four legs is called a chair. It should be treated accordingly. Explain the term thermal. Be raw as an egg ready laid for a while. Be drinkable, otherwise certain risks arise. In the southern countries, children are born readily, readily processed. Beware, they contain gluten, traces of peanuts, and future plants. We don't want that. In ambulance, the wind stands from another wind, builds up. More fresh are the flattened at the joints, tending to the course of motion. Explain the term pressure. The law of conservation concerns us all the mouth, permeates membranes, injures tectonic plates. On the long term, we obey. Explain that. Uh, should I continue reading something uh, I wrote uh, and translate it, or maybe I I should give you a sample of how my Romanian poet uh, poetry sounds like? Well, first of all, I would like to uh, I would like to remark uh, something that uh, a good friend of mine and of yours actually, to Andres Burna. Uh, mentioned, if you remember, uh, in Londophone when we had that lecture, that reading with uh, both of you, uh, he remarked that uh, your poetry, at the time Miruna wasn't there, it was only about uh, the poetry of uh, Christina and Amalia, but I think it is possible to generalize in a certain measure to uh, most of the medicine poets or physician poets in Romania that it is remarkable that your poetry even if you uh, if your profession inspires you or could inspire you uh, to this your poetry avoids the traps of uh, uh, melodrama of uh, this everyday very deep and uh, authentic dramas but which uh, you can find and you can observe at your patients, but which in poetry would not make such a good uh, uh, such a good effect. So therefore, I appreciate very much that your poetry is much more abstract that the uh, that uh, depicting those specifically uh, professional uh, professional dramas. And listening to your poems, I was I remembered actually uh, about uh, this uh, this mention by. Uh, by Andres Burna. And now, yeah. 
Thank you for freshening my memory. Yes, I do remember when he said that. Uh, yeah, what can I say? I, I feel like uh, I think I agreed with him back then too because I uh, I also uh, had this uh, observation that usually the, the the real physicians. I don't talk about there are other uh, other poets that are like tangent to medical professional professions like biology, chemistry, and stuff like that. Uh, they still do tend to uh, include this kind of uh, element in their in their poetry. But I also uh, noticed that you know uh, we, the ones that are already doctors, don't really do that. I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's something like we avoided because we are so used to it. Uh, yeah, I think that. <laughs> Uh, it's a simple explanation. I don't like simple explanations, but uh, I think it has something to do with it. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me that. That's a good. Uh, Thank you too. It is actually a very. Uh, it is actually the level of professionalism. It is about making the complex and uh, uh, and uh, personal original um, uh, passage between the Dichtung and the Wahrheit. Uh, I mean, not uh, inspiring, I mean, not putting the Wahrheit on the Dichtung directly and saying, just saying stories, uh, everyday stories you, uh, you saw at your uh, hospital or at your clinic, let them be as dramatic as, uh, as, uh, as they are. Uh, all three of you, as far as I know you, you managed to avoid this, uh, this trap and uh, I really admire you for this. And now, please, Amalia, I, you know, uh, I mean, Rick knows me already, and uh, even if actually I know Christina and you uh, longer than, than Rick, uh, I was in contact with Rick much more frequently, so he knows, uh, he knows more things about me, and especially that when I, when I promise not to talk longer, uh, or not to talk too long, I mean, usually I'm not able to keep my words, so therefore I'm going to stop myself now. I'm going to mute myself now and also to mute my microphone. And please continue, Amalia, and uh, really please read one of your the poems you read in English, also in Romanian, because it is a very important part of our serial that poets that poets uh, read their uh, their poems, at least one of them or, two, or one or two of them um, in their mother tongue. And as far as I am concerned, as far as I remember, I think Romanian is mother tongue for all three of you. Yes, that's right. Uh, uh, thank you for your invitation. Um, sure, I uh, I read uh, uh, only I have I have the lot. Uh, I read the uh, Vangila uh, translated um, because I have it here. I also send it. Um, um, I got some contact. Uh, the past two months, uh, some people uh, were trying to make me still publish their, uh, my poems for their uh, pages, and I got some, some fresh. But I would read the uh, Vankila in Romanian, so uh, you can hear how uh, this, uh, my mother tongue uh, sounds like. Vankila. Soia s-a aruncat peste noapte ca o hergelie într-un Porți șase bucăți de pământ în sfinare ca să ne sprijin. Fiind de răz, se aud luptele firului de arbă la intrarea în tală. 
Soldații mei s-au răpuns la gații și cunează degetele. În grabă se deschid porțile ca două femei coale. Tot aici ne-am deschis o temnică. Merge bine. Băncile de piatră recunosc gustul coapselor fără urmași. Dintr-un moment, mai trec din capul locului, prieten care vin să aducă sinceritatea în porții mici. This is it. I hope I didn't bore anyone. I got little concentrated things that are my phone. Thank you for your uh, uh, interest. I have to admit your mother tongue sounds really great. Uh, <laughs> it is, uh, especially for me, it's something completely new. So, uh, really, uh, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, now, if everybody agrees, uh, I would... Uh, Of course, we will come back to Amalia because you won't remain only with three or four poems read. Um, let's move again to Miruna, which seems to be uh, the very shy and uh, uh, let us encourage her a little bit. Please, Miruna, mm. other beautiful poems of yours. Of yes, course, of in, uh, in, in, in English, in English translation, and if it happens, we don't know, okay? If you happen to have the same mother tongue as Christina and Amalia, please present also uh, one poem or two also in your in your mother tongue. Ladies and gentlemen, Mirura Romanciuk, Romanian poet of so Romania. Thank you. Uh, yes, I will read uh, at first one in English, and then I will read uh, it in Romanian. So here it is. Uh, as a matter of fact, my poems don't have titles, so. I realized I didn't mention that, and I chose that because uh, partly I'm not good with titles, and on the other hand, I like to leave the reader the space to imagine and not to give it, give him or her a sample of this. So here it is, a poem. My head lies on your chest. You have that blue shirt that makes me mistake you for the summer sky. The skyline is not to be touched. Out of the night, I plucked the moon. It's my new skull. My eyes are craters in which I'm growing my images of you, bursting like confetti beneath my eyelids, a victory that I celebrate in the dark. I'm giving you constellations of malignant fears that light up in your sternum as if it was a scientography. The tumor almost healed when you stroke the death head or you heal from the death. Death is not to be touched. The blood is eating our bodies from the inside when your lips are laying a silence on my forehead and its shell breaks and it flows in my aged wrinkles and it swallows the white noise descending. It smells the same when you leave and when I fear. The skyline is not to be touched. Thank you, thank you. So uh, this is the English version. In a minute, the Romanian version. One second. So as why I was right, you have the same mother tongue as Amalia. I knew it, I knew it. Yes, yes. <laughs> a surprise. So, it is a surprise, of course. Nobody could in nobody could 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 think about it. I did. Rick, really, we are genius, both of us. One second. It's all right. This uh, 
waiting this waiting belongs to the tension of poetry it is yes yes exactly uh, so here it is i found it finally Great. so my mother tongue in my mother tongue am capul pe pieptul tău îl confund des cu cerul de varo din cauza tricoului albastru the skyline is not to be touched so uh, to make this mention i have these insertions in english in my original poem so it will they will remain in english din noapte am smuls luna este noul meu craniu ochii îmi sunt cratere în care adâncesc imagini cu tine sunt confeti pe dedesubtul ploapelor ca o victorie sărbătorită pe întuneric îți las constelații de frici maligne să lumineze în sternul tău ca la o scintigrafie tumora aproape se vindecă atunci când mângâi moartea pe cap sau tu te vindești de moarte Death is not to be touched. Sângele nemestecă din corpul pe interior, când buzele tale depun pe fruntea mea, o liniște cu coaja spartă. Curge cald în ridurile de expresie, topește zgomotul alb descrescător, care miroase la fel când pleci și când mă tem. The skyline is not to be touched. Thank you. Very wonderful. Please tell me. Are you the author of your own translations? Uh, partly. I did uh, my first draft. I tried to translate them myself. And then uh, I realized they sound very unnatural. And um, I um, asked for help from a friend. Uh, she also writes poems and uh, she usually writes them in English. So she has experience. Her name is Valentina. I recommend you all her poems. Uh, and she helped me. I had this luck of her being able to help me. And I uh, sent her my translations and she offered me suggestions and they were all starting to flow naturally, like magic, because she's so good at it. I understand. Anyway, anyway, congratulations. And I, rem I actually retained a very strong image, a very strong uh, metaphor. Uh, I'm not sure which way did you translate it into English, if you would be so kind to repeat it. In Romanian, it was Tumarea se vindecă atunci când mângâi moartea pe cap. Yes. Uh, the translation was the tumor healed when you stroke the death's head. Remarkable. Thank you very much. So let this us... was actually mine, my translation on there. So, okay, so let's continue with other, other points of yours, please. Yes, sure. Uh, also in English, right? Okay. Here. So another one. Our edges overlapped, form of a knife. Instead of chopping meat, we are carving fruits. Their pits are planted now in the ground that we stay the whole day on a play date where we brought our permissions to do nothing. Dolce far niente. As we look at each other, our blended glances knotted somewhere in the middle, we feel our eyes sliding in each other's sockets. Yours are mine and mine are yours. Pronouns become futile. The pile of images, of images is ours to lay our heads on its chest whenever we want the confirmation of us being alive at the same time. 
Each of us swallowed one of the strings of the tactile memory that is scrambling now to bring our skins together. Otherwise, my body deepens in the absence of yours, as if it was a specific kind of darkness. We drift apart, and our bodies become slowly irrelevant. Thank you very much. And as I think each of us, each of you actually, has already read three poems, I suggest that we come back uh, to Christina and uh, kindly ask her to continue with, uh, uh, with her poetry. And if uh, the main producer here, uh, my boss, director and manager, uh, Rick Spisak, agrees, I would suggest that, for, uh, that uh, each of the poetesses would read one poem each. What do you think, Rick? I mean, one poem each in, in, uh, uh, in circles, one poem Christina, one poem Amalia, one poem Miruna, and again. I think, it, I think that the combination of their styles uh, really justifies this, uh, uh, this uh, alternance uh, and, makes, and gives a certain dynamic to, uh, to this episode. You had a very good idea from the beginning, Rick. So please, uh, Christina, be so kind and, uh, and continue. Of course I will, but before starting, I I must say that I only have three more poems translated in English, so how should I do this? Should I read all of them now, or should we take it, should we take them one by one? One by one. One by one? Okay. Midnight. The fortresses were falling down. Nothing was worrying me. I was protecting the fire. People were exploding like fireworks. I was celebrating. My half-heart was having a toast with my other half-heart. The houses in which love was kept were being erased from the earth's surface. There is no paper that can replace skin. The fortresses are still falling down. Somebody is squeezing wet towels over me. It's quiet just like in a playpen where the only sound that can be heard is the grass growing, just like in a playpen where I am hiding between the lamps and I am watching how the woman who once gave birth through her hands is now cutting them. So, Amalia, please, I, for myself, I hope I don't know whether Rick agrees or not, I would, uh, I would remark uh, the really great final that uh, ending in a, uh, in a very strong, in a very strong metaphor, I recognize Christine uh, in congratulations, really, really wonderful. Amalia, please. Um, sure. Um, hmm. um. Okay, so I read another one, if that's, if that's right. Uh, it is called uh, Hecate. And God needs the best thought in by the dog eating dogs. God is no match. God accurately defines our bones, piously forbids the throbbing of flesh. The burnt face of sinners describes imaginary prayers and seas. I will listen for you 
but I have seen the world with my edged shoulders. I have left naked cars in my wake, and what I could not lay down, my arms caverns having. Broad relief for those pillows by the mattress. Yeah, I, I pick this one as, as an ending. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. Um, oh, sorry, I, I thought it, 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 it ended, right? I hope yes, I didn't. Yes, yes. Yes. Didn't make some I said thank you. Um, oh, Iruna, please let us continue. Yes. The years passed. I didn't leave, and I didn't even fall behind the time. I'm brushing my teeth while getting ready to get out of the skin of the new ear, like an eczema. I spit blood, then I scroll on the screen, yet in vain. There are no apps that download you, that download you in another body. I type in the search bar, how to cope with a piece of flesh that doesn't stay the same. I look behind, there's nothing left. Only my body form jammed in the mattress as if it was a surrogate of back pain. Only my jammed form, staining the memory of other people that I don't know much about, and neither do they about me. Thanks Thank a lot. So, so Christina, let us continue in order to, in order not to let the circle to get interrupted. Of course. Fear. What happens to the earth when the ones from its inside bow their heads to look through their nails? What do they feel when they step over the ones they came out from? Fear doesn't know my father. She doesn't know my mother's bones. Sometimes she sends me love letters. She starts missing me. She puts her veil between me and the one I love. From her, I hide people. I wrapped my grandmother in colorful paper. She wouldn't recognize her. I covered my father's face in whipped cream. She will think he's a child's cake. I colored my mother in purple. She will think she's a blanket. Fear visits me. And when everybody is home, she leaves her shoes next to mine. I help her stay warm. I am her only meat. She's sweating through my shoulders. I keep my mouth shut. I am not batting an eyelid. The others don't breathe, so they won't be recognized. Only my eyelids are batting like two fallen fish on the pedestrian crossing. Fear, fear is undressing through me, and she's throwing her bra through my eyes. She fills them with milk. I touch her shivering fingers. I put them in my hands. She starts caressing my hair, just like a blind woman. She puts bobby pins in my hair. She is making me beautiful. I am her only meat. She is washing me. She is carefully washing me. She wants all my dirt gone. I let her measure me. I, lay, I let her wake me. I stand still. She enrolled me in her army. 
She borrows my mascara. She is blinking over the men we both love the most. She is crawling like a leopard around my heart. I feel her getting hungry. My heart is her only meat. Remarkable poem. Really, I was, I, I, I felt not only silent, but like listening silently, but, but uh, almost in a kind of trance. Wonderful, Christina. Thank you very much. I, um, if if I may, I would feel like saying how how this uh, poem appeared. It was kind of mystical, to be perfectly honest, uh, and it was written um, after I said I. Um, had already sent my book to my editors, but it all happened during one night when suddenly my fingers started to tremble, to shiver in a very not understandable way. I didn't know what to do. My my fingers were stuck. I had no explanation for that. And I was really experiencing a lot of fear and I didn't know what to do. So I said, why not fool around and try to write a poem? So I let my fingers do this, and after doing this, um, everything stopped. Nothing was still going on. I mean, the problems that the problems that affected my fingers. And in the initial poem, um, it was not fear; it was death. But I replaced it. I replaced the word death because I'm extremely afraid of writing powerful words. Because I saw that in, uh, in I not that I saw it, I really experienced it. I wrote something and then um, sooner or later it it turned into a reality. So I believe in the life of the world and I really don't want to send cancer and death in the universe. I'm not writing it anymore. Because um, as I felt, as I experienced the writing of this poem the following day, uh, without any explanation uh, for this tomb, I had to do the uh, very difficult situation, um, uh, not situation, I had to perform a medical act, which was like a CPR that I did on somebody who was still is very close to me. And it was the closest, closest I, uh, that I've been um, to death. It felt like meeting death like, like a person. And this happened after writing this poem. So after, he, although I sent my um, book back then, I said that I want this poem here, there too, but I was very afraid of letting death being written on paper. So I replaced it with fear. But just for you, it was death. And a few hours later, I experienced death. And my fingers had, um, my fingers that used to, Shiver on uh, one night before um, really had a job to to do some hours later. So I'm afraid of writing powerful words. And I was listening to Miruna um, and her very powerful medical words. And I wish I could do this, but I'm afraid of writing things. I'm really afraid. <laughs> a very sensitive confession. And uh, well, I didn't know this about your poetry about your style but there are two things i want to stress um now remembering your poem if replacing fear with death i feel 
it wouldn't have been so powerful. On the other hand, it belongs to your specialty, to your style, as far as I know it, um, expressing great things, complex things, with simple words. Not big words, but big uh, symbols, big expressions, big suggestions. Not big, great, sorry. It is, it is a big difference. Uh, so I think it was, of course, I'm sure this experience was quite uh, was quite um, scaring for you, uh, according to the way you describe it. And I'm sorry you you met this experience, but in the same time, for this poem, it had a very positive uh, a very positive effect, a very positive impact. Because if it determined you to change death into fair, I think the poem had a lot to win, because it is. Uh, it got it got a lot because it is much more power, much more powerful, and uh, much more suggestive, like this. Thank you very much, Christina. So let's uh, continue with uh, uh, with Amalia, please. Um, I don't know what I want to read now. Mm. Uh, yeah, I found this. Um, all right. Uh, it's called uh, Sol Invictus and it goes like this. One must shoot a blank frame to be able to kill utterly. With the palm of one's hand, one cancels out all mechanisms of oblivion, and the finger across the lip remains a sterile gesture. As soon as the sun dawns, their bodies are lifted as a shield across the vault. Forgive all that your touch can press. The name continues purity. You are allowed to capture that brightness of bullets, the benevolence of petticoats, the God's chiding face with the likely nightmare. You are allowed to rebel in the place where love comes across as healing a rib. Time during which the world displays its rigor as one more fresh delight. That's, that, that's it. I hope you'll like my joke. Thank you. Very much. Well, uh, I mean, this analytic part in me, uh, which is not uh, compulsorily a good thing, <laughs> uh, doesn't allow me not to uh, not to make the comparison between your two uh, complementary styles and actually I have already told it I, I'm very happy to repeat it uh, I'm very happy that I met both of you in the same evening in a poetical evening and that I, I'm, I've known your styles your political styles in uh, in the same evening because actually it's a, a passionate thing to see how those styles are evolving and as this complementarity is uh, more beautiful and more complex with uh, every level you till reach as uh, you reach as uh, poets your uh, amalia's uh, uh, very strong and uh, direct uh, metaphors uh, images uh, built with uh, uh, with words chosen for that and which express directly what she wants to say 
uh, versus Pristina's way of suggesting uh, uh, in a uh, or suggesting in a uh, in an indirect but very uh, subtle, very uh, sensitive way uh, what she has uh, what she has to say. So thank you very much, both both poetesses and uh, and after two poetesses. We have no other uh, no other variant than to ask the third one to continue with uh, one of her poems. So please, poetess Miruna. Sure. Uh, the only problem is this is my last one translated in English, so it's a short one. But before that, I would like to say that uh, I admire both Amalia and Christina for their uh, talent and. Uh, I read uh, Christina's book and I was already impressed, but I admit that uh, about Amalia I didn't know much, but I listened very carefully to her poems today and I'm really impressed, so I look up to you both. So here it is the poem. Out my pupils are born the hands that caress your temples and the time stretched in between them like a hammock. Your smile smells like a Sunday. Blew my eyelids to your eyelids, as when we are caught in the middle of the people who are born and the people who die at the same time. This is it. Thank you very much, really. Uh, again, I, I, it's, I, I'm repeating for a full five, five times. Nevertheless, Rick will cut it at the uh, at the, at the when editing the the whole material. Again, this very very strong, quick and uh, focused, concentrated way of uh, expressing yourself. And Rick, I suggest, given the fact that it is the last poem she has in English, let her read it also in Romanian. What do you think? Please, please do. Thank you, sir. Okay. One moment to find it. Yes, I found it. So here it is, in my mother tongue. Din pupilele mele cresc mâini, care îți mângâie tâmplele, timpul întins între ele ca un hamac și zâmbetul cu miros de duminică. Închidem ploapele cu ploapele tale, când suntem la mijlocul distanței, dintre oamenii care mor și oamenii care se nasc. Real, really, really wonderful, uh, and uh, I would say that maybe is uh, I don't know the originals of the other poems she read, but I have to admit this one uh, I like more in Romanian than in English. The other ones were were, were actually eagle, very strong, very strong images. Well, really great. I'm looking forward to your uh, to your debut uh, collection. So. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for poetry. Cristina, please, another one of yours, and also in Romanian, if you feel like that. This is my last one, too, sadly. <laughs> okay. Icaro. In November, I was sustaining the hospital walls with my own heartbeat. My crazy heart wrapped its hair in a ponytail. It was full of bones. I was searching for myself under the bedsheets the way that I used to search for a lost sock. I remembered your black glove 
full of lint, just like a sinner woman remembers the clothes of the press she confessed all her sins to. The only ambition remains fixing her congenital hip dysplasia. This insane woman diffuses all the wheelchairs. She cries like a wind baby. She, all, uh, she always dreams that a boy with glass bones is now wandering, running. He can finally kneel. And there we go. What a wonderful segment. These uh, poets have captured some amazing moments and uh, really, really inspiring work. Any thoughts, Misha? I have to admit, usually, I'm a little bit afraid when some poets talk about themselves and start describing their works as authors, as individuals. But in this case, it was so enriching. It was actually a kind of fulfilling of their poems. The way they described what they felt, the way they described the way they are writing poetry, they are creating poetry, was actually were actually poems itself. If they, if I was, if I, if I were to open this, if I were to find this program uh, just aleatorily, and not to know that it was the description of their own styles by poets talking about their poetry, I would have thought they were really poems. It was quite an atmosphere. It was quite an environment, poetical, uh, abstract environment they created. And I am very grateful to all three of them for this, to all those three uh, comparable and uh, complementary dimensions they contributed with, contributed with to the creation of, uh, of this uh, wonderful atmosphere. It is, you know, Rick, one of those moments, one of those episodes I would like never to end. Oh, believe me, I understand. Absolutely. Are you ready for part three, sir? I think I'm looking forward to it, brother. Here we go. What I was going to say is having heard these sensitive voices who take this experience of their healing, mix that with their life and their poetic voice and have shared so much beauty. I would like to offer you one of my very few medical poems. This one I wrote after having heart surgery. It was such an amazing experience from start to finish. I'm one of those people that... uh, I've been very healthy. I've had a wonderful life, not dealing much with doctors. Uh, All of a sudden, uh, it became very, very important for me to do so. And uh, within a matter of three weeks, I found myself preparing for valve surgery on my heart. And as a poet, I have to admit, I was a little concerned that this heart that they were going to manipulate 
repair, would my poetic heart still be the same? And I felt that until I had processed this in a poem, I wasn't sure that I was going to be the same poet after heart surgery. So this is my little tribute to the fine healthcare professionals who made my life possible. So it's called In My Head and In My Hospital Bed. Still, I'm processing my recent nascent pale pastel palette parade through labs and life in surgical masks aghast in aching new hospital halls, contending with each sterile stall, the vile spiraling path of life's laugh, wrestling patients across those looming dangerous gaps, past pale death, deftly stated, plates the fluids received in grace, hallway ceilings fleeting by, past upturned eyes and face, searching each mask, appraise the passing stainless machine, the beeping buzz, register their cargoes tracking life's smudge, digital carts carrying heart signals, dart and tube flowing in arms as they dare buoy life's arcing, aching joy. Amidst the charging, carving robot knives, regaling in microscopic live detail the unfurling flight of fibrous life, hearing my body's story, playing in real time across myriad metallic sentinels, gleaming, shrieking screens of dark-daring data, bearing scientific angels, upholding their slip-dripping bags like flags unfurled, tied like Ulysses past the fatal rock shocks. Their chemical potions, potent and pure, luring stealthy health's cure to lead the body back from daring attack. Medical magicians conjuring their scientific techno-miracles, schemas, themes through the dreamy fog slowly clearing. Loved ones, dear, appear near. Can they push back the causing clack the claws and repair the desperate danger, leering snare, dreamed that they might vanquish and aid, they might match and catch my life's crusade, where flying on faulty flapping wings, flight and sing a better song to strong. Somehow, can they conjure, can they anchor and repair and earn my heartfelt thanks for their care? Recording these miles of bleats and beeps, pulses and cables, but track the blood's buzz deluxe blood. Somehow careful steps crept, always kept at bay. What did he say? When even the tiniest misunderstanding demands, dangers dare repeat the seat. My mind slowly awake. No feeling there, no smooth white ceiling chair. No grip, eyes unburring, whirl, ping, 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 bing. Vertiginous twirls singing, swing. The gleaming portable machines record the flight of lives, life. Birds shaking loose, the trail of feathered facts relax, past the hacks, the unburdened turn of repaired heart restart. The charming, shimmery, near silent ballet of resilient nurses, reliable aides, in the ceremonious studied parade, their daily digitizing data collection, the caring, colored pastel parade, inspection of each section that they made, staging, 
complete machines abuzz, keep recording the beats, the bleeding pings, tweets. The doctors move in in concerted, alerted poise, past the noisy track, capturing streaming life's facts. Each coordinated step, the adepts, with their array of acolytes, lead the search to sustain the displayed and arrayed nearly silent midnight sirens alight and offer the reassuring word. I heard it went quite well. They could tell because they know. The machines repeat the data's streaming beat back to my feet to return to complete the bipedal leap and regain the ground beneath my shaky, unsteady feet. O2 levels and pulse relayed amid the dripping splash, the ticking clocks clash, and the teammates relent and release his unsteady, studied gait to replace and return to burn. Back home, a healing chase replaced. The pastel palace faces fade. And once I wrote that, I felt, okay, I was all right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you very okay. much, Rick. Once again, your, your infinite energy, your infinite poetical and human power uh, which uh, was able to find uh, resources, or, or even even that, within that uh, very very bad, uh, very serious situation. And, and by uh, the way, when I sent a copy of this to my cardiologist and the vascular surgeon, they said, "Wow, no one ever wrote a poem about this before." <laughs> but I wanted to thank them, and I want to thank you for dedicating your lives to healing. Uh, there's there's no greater miracle. Okay, wait, there's one more miracle. But thank, thank you both. Or thank you all three, please. Thank you, thank you too, Rick. It uh, was a wonderful initiative. And uh, this I'm going to say only to, only to you, dear ladies, because Rick is not going to hear me, or he's, uh, he will pretend not to hear me, you know, Always, when I have an initiative, when I think about doing something to surprise someone, to make a surprise to someone, to uh, to remark myself, to, to get myself mentioned or remarked, it is always someone, for instance, Rick Spisak, which has the same idea and which applies it much quicker and before me and in a much better way. I mean, it was the same the case also today. I was preparing also a medical poem. I wanted to express my uh, gratefulness and so on and so on and so on. But what a surprise! In the very cute moment, in the very moment when uh, when someone would uh, expect it and when the effect, the impact would have been the highest, who is coming with the same idea and much better applied than in myself, ladies and gentlemen, yours, Rick Spisak poet of the three rivers, uh, information sculptor, end of quotation. Uh, so congratulations, Rick. It's, uh, it was a, uh, not now, not now, maybe a little bit later. Not now I would only, I would only imitate and I'm not, uh, and I'm not going to do it. But let's kind, let us kindly ask Christina to read the, say, the last poem as we initially agreed also in, uh, in her mother tongue, uh, and uh, let us let read here also in uh, in Romanian. I'm going to read in Romanian the first poem that I read here in um, in English, the longest one because it's the first one to hear. 
așa și pe pământ. Îmi înfig scoicile în tări. Asta e fericirea. Lugii rămași neîmpachetați pe nisip. De ce să nu dansez eu aici până mor? Stau cu ochii închiși și simt doar cum lumina mă radiografiază. Și nu aud claxoanele, alarmele, cometele, nu văd ozeneurile, incendiile, avorturile, ușile închise. Îmi amintesc bicicleta ta albă. Îl aud pe băiatul de 18 ani care împarte pliante pe plajă și ne sfătuiește cu cine să votăm. Cine-i blonda care a pucat dintr-o mișcare nisipul și l-a ridicat ca pe o pătură? Sub nisip sunt multe fetițe mici, mici ca niște viermișori. Plâng și se vaită, le sete și au lacrimi rămase în păr. Și sunt îndrăgostite și le vine ciclul și fac sex pentru prima oară și se mărită și divorțează și mor și se călugăresc și mor oricum. Și iar îl salută pe Adam și revin sub nisip doar că mai încolo. Și iar plâng și nu zâmbesc niciodată și se rupe prezervativul prietenului pe care îl iubesc și fetița face o fetiță și fetița fetiței plânge și nu are suzetă. Vor câte un continent sub fiecare unghie. Vor tot universul la tâmplă ca o floare de crin și vor bărbați sinceri și monogamie și pizza cu de toate. Și se tund și își fac permanent și le mor soții și nu au bani deloc de veci și nu mai au bonuri de masă și li se negrește pielea și nasc fetuși morți și plâng. Și plâng și când se mărită și plâng la orgasm, la naștere, la job, pe stradă, în lift și ar se întorc sub nisip aici, doar că mai încolo. Și banda rulantă de fetițe de sub nisip alunică, precum o cascadă în mare. Toate cu o urmă de glonț la tâmpla stângă. I am even more muted than my microphone. Thanks a lot, Cristina. So it's uh, I mean uh, I, I really don't have I of course I heard the English translation which was uh which was impressive by itself, but uh, the original got okay, so okay, I have something to do. I'm uh, one of the one of the hosts here, so I I I can't allow myself to being uh, uh, getting the falling the the victim of uh, personal emotions. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we still have Amalia to kindly ask her to present our one of uh, her poems. Um, not because not that we would like it to be the last one, but as your colleagues uh, just read have just read uh, each of them uh, the last poem in English. Uh, please. Uh, But do or do the, do the same, uh, and I suggest Rick that she would also read in uh, in uh, in English and in Romanian. Well, because of some stupid reflex, I was about to say in Czech and in Romanian. Thanks God, I didn't I didn't mention it. Uh, thank you. Uh, thanks a lot. So uh, fine, I'll uh, I'll read for you half in English. The more Beaten paths lead not to factories nor cemeteries. We wear them main and all along the backbone, 
is need be losing the yoke. There's a burned out church. Someone has been here before, opened the window, turned the table back on the seat. Hunger, it hung in the closet full of moss. Wood still recalls the wood that here snow and half of eight. Having through the taste of iron halting between the guns, already the rust spread tenuously across the copper slab. I've passed the clippings, the eatable streets of road, beneath the woman's low-hanging skirt. I passed the man-slayer from one hand to another. You think it's not the only, it's not only this body that becomes a desert, not only this body that pulls the stones from the river. All right, so now you're going to hear me again in uh, reading the Romanian. Uh, not this particular poem exactly. I, I, I feel like uh, reading something else, but uh, oh yeah, I, I, I got it here. So I'm going to read Yutkesil. Dar în România. Simte culori apar după ploaia algebrică. Un morcov în cerc este o crimă. Se strâng resurse pentru alte pietre peste aceleași blând plecate care nu vor recunoaște pe scântetul lămâi. N-au obișnuit să luăm cu tine ceai și să construim oceanul planetar pe după sfârșitul de aprimisă. Când ne încapă plumul în golul strâng, se răsoarnă bărcile, organele se inundă cu muzică. Amalia mereu se temă că am să plec după hrană. Voi zăbovi în pădure și mă voi înapoia desfiat, ca și când nu aș fi fost străbunit. Morții nu se joacă pe tine. Morții se atinde munca de o fostă rană. Se plicitesc de același poste virtuale. E apar lihnit, ca după o zi care nu încetează să-i părteze. La adăpost, Clopate în simbolii lor dezamurtate. Ne-am dorit să-i tragem de limbă, sperând că nu vor vorbi în felul lor de joc, cu semne, în cafea și în palme. Dar noi, veșnicineți, vom ara câmpurile, vegheați de întrăiții șoare. Pe cuți, vom coace mințile noastre, minunat al zemeie. I think that's it for today, for my part. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, actually, it is something because I was comparing. I was trying to compare with uh, the uh, with the very uh, sharp guns of my almost dead memory, uh, the English translation and the Romanian original. I don't remember whether I asked you whether you are doing, you are making your translations yourself, or it is someone else to, who is doing. Then for you? Oh uh, no! Unfortunately, I I couldn't translate for myself uh, this time. Uh, the the poems that I read uh, were the ones that I sent for uh, pen voices of 
six years ago or something that was translated by uh by someone else a friend from um, um our language university and uh he helped me with those I, I didn't have the time to do it myself but we worked as a team and he asked me for uh guidance where it was the case so yeah thank you very much um also i i, I mentioned i remarked a very interesting uh, correspondence between the uh, romanian original and uh, the strong uh, the strong level of the uh, of the english translation i have to admit i very much admire ones which are able to translate themselves from a language into another because if i try to do so usually it uh, it gets out another poem so i prefer letting someone else to do it because the translator has to do uh, has to have um, a cold brain which is never almost never my case so thank you very much all of our uh, of our wonderful uh, lady poets and uh, physicians uh, thank you for on one hand for your wonderful poems on the other hand for the uh, inside aspects uh, of uh, your profession you brought each of you each of you from a different from peculiar original perspective and also for the way you stressed for the way you mentioned the way this kind of profession is influencing your is influencing your poetry we wish you a lot of success we wish you soon a second or a first or a third depending by depending on uh, on the situation uh, new collection and uh, in order to um, try a paraphrase to what Christina was saying I wish you to reach a new level of happiness with the with each new poetry collection you are going to publish if possible why not new poem you are going to write Thank you very much, dear poetesses, dear uh, dear doctors, dear physicians, and uh, good luck in everything you are doing. And last but not least, thank you very much for contributing to a very special 19th episode to, of uh, Poets of the East. Ladies and gentlemen, Anticorp Aesthetic, that means Kristina Dragic, Amalia Georgiana Stefan, Czernat Stefan, and Miruna Romanciuk three wonderful and uh, uh, why not mentioning it because it is, I know I know it's politically incorrect but not only very talented but also three beautiful doctor poets all the best and good luck in everything you're doing thank you so much it's been a real pleasure and honor to hear your voices so ladies and gentlemen well, it is the end of another poets the East episode the number 19 we are uh, looking forward to uh, meet you again next Saturday at uh, real at a new listening to a new episode. As far as I'm concerned, after concerned after the 19th, re, uh, usually it follows the 20th. But with our serial, which is a poetical serial, we never know. Thanks a lot, dear poetesses. Thanks a lot, Rick Spisak, and uh, all the best to all of you. And because
actually even if the recording of the episode number 19 is over but as the broadcasting the webcast is still going on and we still have a couple of minutes i would kindly ask the permission to read something i wrote not especially for this occasion but uh, to which the parallels with uh, what happened today here with this atmosphere with its spiritual poetical intellectual cultural and why not religious dimension it's uh, quite it's quite surprising it is a poem more or less on a medical thematic i wrote a couple of weeks and uh, i read at a festival online festival based in india and uh, a poem i would like to read now here today in this uh, live uh, webcasting because i feel it may have something in common with what happened here today what was read here and what was said and actually what happens in eastern the eastern part of europe i mean the orthodox easter which is uh, taking place just this night the title of the poem is timing the doctor is treating me miss katerina vonna surgery number 31 primology she's a tall beautiful blonde young lady miss yarbila brazilova krasna surgery number 57 internal medicine she doesn't say anything mr conrad wegener surgery number 111 ophthalmology just keeps writing something miss susanna doleishi surgery number 12 orthopedics if i wasn't ill mr oldrich Pchenica, surgery number 10 cardiology she might become my girlfriend miss alice korovonska surgery number 26 otorhinolaryngology and what she's writing now mr anton schneider surgery number five neurology could be love letters to me mr jaroslav Czernohorski, surgery number 65 dermatology however for now it is probably just my diagnosis miss anna-marie linhart surgery number 104 gastroenterology maybe when i recover mr radek Wittmann, surgery number 122 urology recorded by nurse on duty yanni nurse is taking my blood pressure and pulse miss ingrid weinberger room number 17 department of neurology she's a tall beautiful blonde young lady miss teresa Novakova, room number eight accident and emergency she doesn't speak loud mr pavel vaida room number 32 comfort single room department of dermatology just whispering something miss olenka pavlichkova room number 87 department of ophthalmology i wasn't paralyzed 
Mitsanya Hanamizumska, room number 40, intensive care unit. She might become my wife, Ms. Aloysia Kovarikova, room number 118, internal medicine. And her whispering could be romantic love messages for me, Mr. Pavel Vaida, room number 61, Department of Hematology and Blood Transfusion. However, for now, they are probably Mr. Janos Kirai, main room, long-term care department. Only the results of my pressure and pulse measurements, Ms. Judith Antol, room number 55, comfortable room, Department of Diabetology. Maybe when I will be able to move again, recorded by Sister on Duty, Lutska, nurse care coordinator. The embalmer is washing and embalming my stiff and cold body. Mortuary chamber A, Prochaskova Alena, locker number 27, laryngeal cancer. She's a tall, beautiful blonde lady. Kozlovska Katerina, locker number 108, IAAIDS. She doesn't say, doesn't write, doesn't whisper anything. Shavrdova Lucie, locker number 52, diabetes. She's just looking again and again. Raika Clement, locker number 75, heart attack. At the watch in the wall. Blanensky Peter, locker number 20, uh, 32, alcoholic coma. If I wasn't dead, she could become my love. Mortuary chamber 2, B, Nova Lavinie, locker number 44, tuberculosis. And she would keep looking at the clock because Winterberger Hanelore, locker number 137, kidney failure. She would be looking forward to meet me as soon as possible. Zografi Tadeash, locker number 91, multiple sclerosis. But now it is probably because Bila Graciela, locker number 114, natural death. She is looking forward to the end of the working day. Konvalingova Teresa, locker number 109, natural death. And because she is fed up with washing and embalming corpses. Korena Yana, locker number 26, natural death. Maybe in my next to next life, recorded by nurse on duty, Katka, hospital coordinator nurse. She will go having a beer with the other two, more and more and more beautiful tall blonde ladies new suspected for celebrating together still spreading another love story wretch poet some homeless and another professional achievement natural death natural death natural death this was the poem i wanted to read today and which if it had happened before, I could have written on this occasion, but it was almost magical, even if sadly magical, how it went just as for this opportunity.
us for this occasion. Thank you very much, Rick. Thank you very much, our wonderful poets and physicians, for one of the most beautiful episodes of Poets of the East. And happy Easter for the ones celebrating it this night. All the best, dear listeners. All the best, dear Rick. Well, my brother, that was a beautiful poem and deeply, deeply moving. Thank you so much for adding one personal poem, something that comes from a very deep place, to add to our medical miracles today. Happy Easter to you. Thank you very much to the ones which are celebrating today. All the best, Rick. See you all. See you next week with the 20th episode of Poets of the East. Have a good evening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye, everyone. All the best. Bye-bye. Mr. Wonka? shines a good deed in a weary world. Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are For J. H. Blair. Which side are you on, boy? Which side are you on? Tell me, which side are you on, boy? Which side are you on? My daddy was a miner, and I'm a miner's son. He'll be with you, fellow workers. Until this battle's won Tell me which side are you on 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 Oh workers can you stand it Tell me how you can be a lousy scab or will you be a man?
next week.